0: You are listening to a sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app or find and listen to any sermon online at malvanechurchcom slash sermons. Tonight we're in Galatians 5 and we are still in verse uh, 22 and we'll be there next week too, Lord willing, because there's just so much stuff packed there. Uh, We recall our context, uh, the uh, life that we're to lead in the Spirit, Galatians 5.16. Paul says, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you'll not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so you may not do the things that you please. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. Of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So we aren't under the law, and we aren't under its restrictions. Many would have thought, and probably would say to the Apostle Paul, if you tell people they're not under the law, aren't they going to Break all the laws. Aren't they going to covet? Aren't they going to murder? Aren't they going to start making graven images? Aren't they going to break the Sabbath? Aren't they going to do all that stuff the law told them not to? But the apostle says, no, we're under the spirit. We are not under the law. And so the law uh, taught us not to do these things. And you know what? So did the spirit. Uh, The law is uh, largely complementary to the gospel life. Uh, We do it with a different uh, emphasis. We do it from a different motivation. We do it uh, as uh, now it's an inward part of us. And so we're going to deny all the things of the flesh, just as the law had laws against a number of these things, like sorcery there under the false religion list. The law said, don't suffer a witch to live. All right. Well, that would hopefully keep you from it. But now uh, we're not going to stone any witches. We're not going to banish them from the land, uh, but we're still not going to do it, even though uh, in the uh, in the gospel uh, we might not have such a direct prohibition because it's contrary to the Spirit of God. So we had all these things of the flesh to deny, uh, the s- things of sexual self-control and lack of control, the false religion, as we mentioned, the bad temper, uh, which uh, contrary to the things we're studying tonight, enmity, strife, and jealousy and outburst anger. The things of bad relationship, which are directly contradicted by what we'll study tonight, disputes dissensions, factions, and envying. And then there was a the things like that, different abuse of uh, uh, of substances, alcohol, uh, and particularly, and then it also says, and the like so anything that's like that. And then we while we're living, so we can't just uh, you know, uh, put ourselves in dry dock and refit. we've got to refit while we're going. This ship has to be rebuilt while it sails. Uh, just imagine trying to you know, swap out major parts of a car while on a cross-country trip. I mean, on, like literally while rolling. Such it is our life. We kind of have to, while rolling, rebuild ourselves in the image of the Spirit, of course, with God's help. We're to do that. So we had the inward attitudes. We had love, joy, and peace. And now we're in the midst of talking about The things of outward display. Again, not hypocritical displays. Normally we look down on outward displays of things. Uh, Yeah, don't let your charity be, uh, you know, so everybody can see it, blowing a trumpet. Uh, But these are things that will only be seen outward. Uh, How can you have patience without showing it? How can there be kindness or goodness without there being fruit? So we need to display these things to the best and highest degree possible. And we recognize that we might, in some, shouldn't be, but in the time of maturing and learning, we might see some of these little things from bad list A and good list B. Uh, We might see, um, you know, some love and joy, but on another day or another time or another circumstance, we might yet see an outburst of anger. It ought not be such, but, but such as it is. James said, and we've reminded ourselves this, as we go each time, James 3, 8. No one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the likeness of God. For from the same mouth come both blessing and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not be this way. Well, they ought not, but often they are. Does a fountain send from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Does a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? nor can salt water produce uh, fresh. So, as Paul said, we are to walk by the Spirit and not do the things of the flesh because their desires are set against each other. So they're in opposition, and we can't do the things that we please. And so uh, we mentioned those famous words from the Westminster Confession that talk about uh, uh, a continual and a reconcilable war the flesh against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And that takes place in our mind and in our members. So we need to have, and here's our fresh study tonight where we take it up new. We need to have uh, in the outward display of things, patience, kindness, and goodness. Now we talked about patience last week with the great patience of God, the patience we're supposed to show to men. uh, And with that, we're also then to display kindness and goodness well all of these things of which we spend some time on a little bit of dictionary work kindness christotēs is the greek word it means integrity a uh, gentleness amiability a uh, sweetness it's a word that was used to describe old wine the, the wine that had mellowed the, the things of the good vintage uh the the uh, the, the kind that was uh, preferred. Uh, a different dic- dictionary says, It's of that which is upright. Uh, it is a set of both God and believers. And so we'll note the kindness of God tonight to start, and then we'll see the kindness then that we give as, as a result. And Vine said about it, It's not merely goodness as a quality, but rather it's goodness in action. Kindness is goodness expressing itself in deeds, in grace, in tenderness, and compassion. And so it has the idea of moral goodness, uh, but not just the thing that is right in itself, but the thing that is right in its action. Love is not a passive word. Uh, Love is an active word. Someone described it as kindness. They said it's love in work clothes and so we think about what is said about god in uh, exodus 34 the lord passed by and he proclaimed the lord jehovah the lord god compassionate and gracious slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and so this is god abounding in loving kindness and slow to anger compassionate and gracious now we ought not think that kindness is kind of a, a meeky milk toasty uh people just can run over them cuz they're kind uh kindness is these, is this tender-hearted compassion but uh kindness is always with integrity as we saw in the definition kindness is always in what's right it is not a favor to anybody uh to say that kindness just lets us uh lets them get away with things and we'll just let it go away or let it, let them get away, uh, with it because, uh, we want to be kind. God doesn't do that. That Exodus 34 passage is not long removed from, uh, the God sentencing that wicked generation to death in the wilderness. And at 40 years, you had to march around in circles. So they's all gone and tried to march the sin right out of them and it succeeded for a generation, I guess. But, uh, uh, it's the devil's perversion. That says, kindness is an excuse or an uh, allowance of evil. So, kindness again, love in action, love in work clothes. Uh, this is one of those uh, virtues that the ancients uh, really uh, valued. Uh, there's a quote from Seneca, uh, the uh, Roman uh, He who has conferred a kindness it should be silent so like jesus said don't go blowing your trumpet uh when you do something nice but he who's conferred a kindness should be silent he who has received one should speak of it so speak of other people's kindness to you uh don't speak so much about your your kindness uh to them and another fellow uh of a couple hundred years ago named humphrey he said life is made up not of great sacrifices or duties but of little things in which smiles and kindness and small obligations win and preserve the heart. And so a kind person is one we'll greatly value, will appreciate being with them uh, because it's just a joy. It's pleasant. It, it, it doesn't set you wrong. It's not off-putting to be with those. So kindness, again, we said it was a quality of God. Well, we think about this, God's uh, universal kindness, in Luke 6.35, as we're extolled to do good and to lend and to love our enemies, expecting nothing in return, Luke 6.35, we have this, that your rewarder be great, you'll be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Well, in that passage, we might have a good definition of kindness. It might not have needed the dictionaries, but we use them anyway. But what we're extolled to do is to love, do good, and lend without expectation of a return. So lending without expectation of return is basically give. So uh, love, do good, and give. And don't be always on them about, hey, when are you going to do something for me? Because this is what God did, and it says he was kind. He was kind. Now, I do like that turn of phrase, he's kind to ungrateful and evil men, of which we always ask, what other kind are there? Uh, because, man, if you want to see people be ungrateful, do something nice for them. How many people even will give you the the most cursory of thanks? Most won't, and most won't even think about it. And so uh, God is kind even when people don't return the favor, even when people aren't thankful. Uh, God is very kind to them even when uh, they do evil. A parallel is in the Sermon on Mount, Matthew 5. Be sons of your Father in heaven, for he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous. And the unrighteous. Well, tonight, as I say, I keep looking out my window, hoping we'll finally get some rain. And I don't care if it's for the righteous or the unrighteous. I just need the rain. But uh, uh, we know God is good, and the rain will return. Uh, but He's kind to us all, uh, especially not just in these uh, physical things uh, which sustain us in life, physically, but the things that sustain us in Christ. Titus 2:11. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. To all men. So the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all. There's a great undeserved uh, kindness. God looking down from heaven, seeing us as we are uh, foolish and disobedient, deceived and being deceived. So many of us worse and getting worser. And yet he interposed with Christ. Satan enslaves us to every kind of uh, sinful passion and pleasure to the best of his ability fills our heart with malice and envy and hatred and pride and all the things of the works of the flesh list. And God then is kind to us. And he made the kind offer to us of salvation in Christ. From Titus chapter 3. For we also were once foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But... When the kindness of God our Savior and His love for mankind appeared, He saved us, not on the basis of deeds which were done in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by His grace, we might be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And so we just note that great, great change, the same kind of change from the works of the flesh to the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And in the center of it, the the cause of the change, the kindness of God, our Savior, and his love for mankind appearing, namely, that is Jesus saving us by mercy and the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. So we think about what Paul said to the Romans, behold, the kindness and severity of God. And so to those who uh, uh, fell, severity, but to you, God's kindness. And so don't think lightly, Romans 2, of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience. These should lead us to repentance. So we have God's universal kindness. We have the kind offer of things that are in Christ, and that is to call us to repentance and then to show uh, this kindness ourself, and you know again it's a common human tendency particularly ab- among the the unrighteous the unfaithful those who uh, do not know God and are outside his covenant It's particularly notable among them to forget forget kindness and not act in this uh, in the right ways we think about the story of the slavery of god 's people in Egypt when did that begin? well, when there was a king who arose who knew not. Uh, Joseph and all the good that he did uh, was forgotten. But it's not just the pagans who forget God. Uh, well, Romans one, they do forget God. They don't give Him thanks or they don't give Him glory, and they get turned over to all kinds of lust and degrading passions. But it's also the people of God who so often uh, forget. In Judges eight, is a terrible case of forget forgetting. Judges 8, 34, and 35. Thus the sons of Israel did not remember the Lord their God. Oh, my. Thus the sons of Israel did not remember the Lord their God, who delivered them from the hands of their enemy on every side. Nor did they show kindness to the household of Jeroboam, that is Gideon, accordance with the good he'd done Israel. And so when we forget God, we often forget kindness, and goodness goes out uh, the window. Of course, we know there'd be no true goodness without Christ. Uh, There'd be no true goodness without uh, God doing these things for us. And we're going to talk about goodness a bit more in a second. But uh, we live in a time where we've forgotten the goodnesses of God. And we've forgotten what God has done. And so (coughs) we turn to all kind of uh, just ungrateful action and and idolatrous action, like uh, the people in the book of Judges did when they forgot God, and they forgot the judge who delivered them. In Proverbs, it says this is a warning. Will they not go astray who devise evil? But kindness and truth will be with those who devise good. And so we can either plan to do evil or we can plan to do good. What do you plan to do? We, we need to plan to do good. In Scots, we teach the young fellows, and, and ladies now too, but we teach the youngins, we'll say. We teach the youngins, do a good turn daily. Plan to do good. Intend to do good. If you plan to do wrong, you'll definitely go do wrong, and you'll go astray. And so this is contrary to what we are called to in Christ. In Christ in particular is those who have been shown the most extraordinary kindness and those who confess and admit to it and, and recognize that in Christ so much is done for us we have the foremost duty of kindness as uh, children of God conformed to our Father, having been so very blessed. Colossians 3, verse 12, and so is those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, very similar list to our fruit of the Spirit here. Why? Because you're holy and chosen, beloved of God, bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Forgive every complaint. What's one of the nicest and kindest things a lot of people could do? Get over their grudges. Don't don't hold things against folks. Uh, don't uh, don't keep dragging things up. Forgive every complaint because you've been forgiven of every sin. So this kindness is still required. This should be imprinted on us, just like, uh, you know, a coin uh, bears the imprint from the minting and it's indelibly stamped there. Try to get the stamp off a coin and uh, try to get that image off a coin. Well, we should be so thoroughly stamped and imprinted with by God and with the grace of God that this is just who we are. That It can't be uh, removed. Uh, we are remade in the image of our Father. We were made like Him. That image got corrupted by sin. Now we're remade uh, like Him. And so just as that coin shows you which country it's from, when it was minted, maybe where it was minted, who it's honoring, so our lives should be stamped like that coin that kindness is on us as we've been stamped, we've been imprinted, By God, and so that's going to start from within. That that's going to show itself as we have labeled these things as outward displays. But it starts from in, and it works out. We're ridding ourselves. Well, uh, we'll just say what Ephesians four says: Rid yourself. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away, along with all malice, and be kind. So we're told what to get rid of and what to put on. Again. The the off list, the strike it list, the don't do that no more list. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, malice, and instead be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. And so we think about how we need to have a change from the inside out and thoroughly be redone again from the Proverbs. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart, so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Just like Paul said about these works, uh, this fruit of the Spirit, it's, it's not against any law. Everybody honors it. Everybody says, that's a good thing. We need more of that. But who's actually doing it? And I'd like to think, do uh, of all the kind people you know, the kindest ones you know, how many of the kindest people you know are irreligious? Probably not so many. Uh, but uh, we have this imprint on us that we've bound it around our neck. We've written it on the table of our heart. And so we find favor with God and man. As it says in another proverb, Proverb 19, what is desirable in a man is kindness, and it's better to be a poor man than a liar. This verse speaks to the fact that sometimes you can financially gain. Sometimes you can profit with dishonesty, But the writer of the proverb said, it's better to be kind even if you stay poor, because you didn't take advantage of somebody to enrich yourself. You didn't take advantage. You'll have a good name, and you'll have a good conscience. And so these things start in the heart. But then, as we say, they're outward displays. If there's no outward display of kindness, there is is no kindness. In the book of Acts, in chapter 9, one of the extraordinary places where someone is raised from the dead, which there aren't that many in the Scriptures. Three in the Old Testament, three by Jesus in the Gospels. Uh, and uh, Jesus himself, the centerpiece of that by his own power, and shown to be the Son of God by the resurrection. And then the apostles, by his authority in the book of Acts, raised two more. Well, uh, the first of those in the book of Acts is a woman named Tabitha. Don't know much about the circumstances of her death, but it must have been untimely. But she was definitely sorely missed. disciples sent over to Peter in Joppa. And you think about how many disciples had died. How many disciples had died an untimely death? How many disciples had died martyrs' death? How many disciples had passed? And you don't go send for apostles to raise them. But in this occasion, they did. And it was they, they sent over to Joppa where Peter was because uh, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which in Greek is translated as Dorcas. This woman was abounding in deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And so, uh, you know, you think, what kind of person uh, is uh, gifted with the resurrection? Well, in this case, it was a lady who abounded in kindness and charity. What's our great hope? Don't we hope to be gifted in the resurrection? Don't we hope to be raised? Well, Maybe act more like this. Well, we might have better hope for it. Some people are sometimes worried about their assurance. Am I really going to be raised? Is God really with me? Well, let me ask you, are you ad- abounding in deeds of kindness and charity? That would certainly make you feel a lot better in that regard. I assure you. So Peter went with them, verse thirty-nine. And when he'd come, they brought him to the upper room, and windows, the widows—the widows, sorry—the the widows stood beside him weeping, and they were showing all the tunics and the garments that Dorcas used to make, while she was with them. So there's the displays of her kindness, tangible uh, tangible things that people say. This is how nice she was, and we imagine them. Uh, bringing uh, the clothes she made, maybe to gather up, or or maybe imagine them all gathering at her bedside, and all all the ladies, these these, these widows and and children and whoever else, all these folks who uh, were benefited by the clothing that she made. Oh, let's let's all when we go to over there, let's all wear the clothes she made for us. And uh, just imagine how many sets of clothes that was. So there's all those those widows. And they're they're standing around either with or in the clothes that she had made. So kindness is shown in action. And so sometimes it might be a continual thing like that, that it's planned, it's purpose. She's got to buy the cloth. She's got to do the sewing. She's got to distribute the goods. But other times it's a spur of the moment thing. Uh, Acts 28 verse 2, these were pagan folks, but they still knew what to do in this regard the natives, and now there's soon to be many of them going to be brethren in Acts 28 after the shipwreck of Paul. But this is right when Paul got shipwrecked on the Isle of Malta. It said the natives, Luke reports, showed us extraordinary kindness. For because of the rain that set in and because of the cold, they kindled a fire and received us all. And so here come people sopping wet out of a winter storm coming out of the surf. What do they need? They need to get dry and warm. Well, I guess you could start telling somebody, okay, let's get the ladies to start making some clothes. Well, no, that's not gonna help today. These people will die of exposure before we get the cloth gathered up, much less made. No, in this case, what do we need? We need fire, <laughs> we need food, uh we probably need some places to sit down. Uh we need uh you know, a rain cover or something. Can somebody pitch us a tent? Can somebody put up an awning? Uh what can what can you do? And so Kindness might be right then, and we might be busy right then, but it's still time to be kind. Uh, one of the most famous stories of the Gospels, the certain Samaritan who was on a journey came upon the man who was wounded, Acts 10:33. When he saw him, he felt compassion. And he came to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And so we remember, of course, the priest and the Levite who very much didn't do that. Uh, They didn't show compassion. They didn't act. I'm sure they had other things to do. And so uh, kindness might be uh, a lengthy plan. It might be a continual and lifelong endeavor. Kindness might also be the thing you need to do right in the middle of you doing something else. But be kind because the Lord has been So kind to us. Don't take it as an opportunity uh, for sin because, hey, they're going to be nice about it. I can get away with it. Don't take it for granted. Uh, Take it as something that, you know, in God's case goes with severity and judgment. It should drive you to repentance. But in our case, uh, even though many people forget, you don't forget it's required of us. And it starts in the heart. And it's shown in action. All right, That's kindness. Then we have a word that's awful close to it, a lot of, a lot of overlap with it. Uh, we got, now, goodness. Goodness. Um, a fellow named James Hamilton said about this, he said, goodness is love in action. Well, that's what I just said about kindness. Love with its hand to the plow. Love with the burden on its back. Love following his footsteps, who went about continually doing good. Of course, we remember that summary that uh, Peter gave uh, to Cornelius about Jesus, that he went about doing good. That's Acts ten thirty eight. This word goodness appears only four times in our New Testament. And that same word in the Greek Old Testament translation, the Septuagint, appears only 13 times. It's a very rare word. And it's a, a word that in secular Greek, There's almost no use of it whatsoever. It's a noun, the noun for goodness. And we think, well, that's weird. How come, why didn't we have, why didn't they have that word uh, used? We use that word all the time. Well, they did use the word as an adjective. Uh, The the noun is agathosune. The adjective is agathos. Now, that word is used so often, uh, 520 times uh, through uh, the septuagint and a hundred times in our Greek New Testaments that that word just appears all over uh, in the scriptures. That, that the word good as an adjective describes a tree, a good tree, describes good fertile ground. It describes good fruit. It describes good crops. It describes uh, a gift as good. Jesus is called a good teacher. It describes conscience as being good. The will of God, our hope, good words, good deeds, good all kinds of things. And just like our English word good, this word is used uh, contextually for a number of different concepts. And it's really only in the context that you can tell what kind of good it is. But because it it really means a thing that's suited for something. So, for instance, uh, we might talk about a man who's a good athlete. Well, sometimes a good athlete's a strong one. Sometimes a good athlete's a fast one. Sometimes a good athlete's a guy with a great deal of endurance. There's all different kinds of things that make one a good athlete. Sometimes it's throwing a thing. Sometimes it's catching a thing. And nobody hardly excels at every bit of that. Uh, and, but the word good describes it all. It describes somebody who, for instance, might be real good. We might say he's good at school. Well, when it comes to mechanics, he's terrible. But at school, he's good. Or the mechanic might be a really good mechanic. But he's terrible at reading, writing, and arithmetic. And sometimes we get people who are good at one thing that's really important, but they're bad at something else that's equally important. So a man might be a real good worker, but he's still a bad husband. Or we might have a fella, an old fella. He's, he's in uh, bad health, but he's got real good character. So good is describing a very limited thing uh, in that sense. Well, when we have these four uses of this word in the New Testament, we have a pretty broad uh, thing then to dis- to describe it. We already read one of the passages that used the word good, aside from just this fruit of the Spirit. We mentioned a while ago, Luke 6.35. Love your enemies and do good. Lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. You'll be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to eat ungrateful and evil men. So there's a good action. There's a helpful there's a a beneficial action. Another place, uh, we've now had three of the usage of the scripture. Uh, uh, Oh, excuse me, we've had two. This will be the third. Uh, Romans 15, verse 14. Concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and able to admonish one another. So I've written very boldly to you on a few points so that as you... Uh, as to remind you again because of the grace given me from God. So here Paul was convinced of the goodness of the brethren, but he still said there's a few things I had to kind of speak to you plainly about. And uh, we also think about that uh, uh, Ephesians 5 passage where it gives the short version uh, of the fruit of the Spirit. It talks about the fruit of light, that we're to walk in the light of the Lord as children of light for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth. So, goodness goes with righteousness and truth. So, when it comes to goodness, what we find is it's a it's pretty rare word. And found among men, it's also a pretty rare quality. Jeremiah speak, uh, was challenged with this just before Israel went to captivity. He was told to roam to and fro, Jeremiah 5.1. Roam to and fro the streets of Jerusalem. Look now and take note and seek in her open squares. If you can find a man, if there's one who does justice, who seeks truth, I'll pardon her. Well, they didn't get pardoned. So he didn't find one good man. He didn't find one who sought justice and truth. He didn't find anybody like that. So people who are really good, in that sense, in a moral sense, that the scriptures would com- commend them as good men. It's it's just not that many. Uh, there is a statement quoted from the Psalms in the book of Romans. There's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they become useless. There is none who does good. There's not even one. And so we think, well, then we'll never find a good man, except in the scriptures we do. We do find a few exceptionally uh, uh, exceptional people who are uh, good men, the scriptures of test. So Joseph of Arimathea, uh, Luke 23, 50, behold, a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and righteous man. Man, you, he stayed good and righteous, even with that group of Sanhedrin people that killed Jesus but he was still good and righteous kind of reminds us of the church at Sardis where there was a few who didn't soil their garments or uh, Barnabas. He was a good man full of the Holy spirit and of faith. So I think it's a bit of a hyperbole that the scripture uses and the scripture uses common figures of speech, just as we do uh, when it says there's none good. Well, in an absolute sense, no, there's none, but in a, in a, in a sense where even the scriptures recognize there's a good man, a, a man who has sought God in faith, that there are some good men. Well, we again need to try to be uh, those good men. Now, probably we don't come by this naturally. It's by the grace of God. It's by the teaching given in his uh, holy book that that we would uh, seek this, because again, it's, it's not natural, but as a part of the spirit, it should be fruit in our lives. This goodness, we can't just say, well, there's none good, not even one. That includes me. Okay, I'm excused. No, be good now. Be good now that you're in Christ and you've been, been renewed and and forgiven. And so uh, we have this, that a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what's good. That's Jesus in Luke 6:45. An evil man out of the evil treasures brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from what fills his heart. So, if we're going to have any hope of goodness, including this goodness that we're enjoined here in the fruit of the spirit, is going to have to start with a good heart. Now, that's going to be the conscience that's cleansed and the sincere faith that we have in Christ that's going to help us. It's also going to be by then working on the heart to keep it that way. So, we have like this instruction: Philippians four eight. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's of good repute, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Let your mind so your heart and mind need to be tuned to goodness, so goodness comes out. And we need to have a good conscience, not a defiled conscience. What can the defiled uh, conscience? What can the dirty mind make defiled and dirty? Anything. Just listen to fellows who have. Uh, defile conscience and a dirty mind, but instead we, with the gospel, first Timothy one fifteen, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. So that's what the gospel is to bring to us and put in us. A pure heart, a good conscience, a sincere faith that does what? That loves, that gets out there and is active and is kind. And so we think about this. How do we do that again? Only in the gospel do we have this kind of hope. 1 Peter 3:21. corresponding to that, the apostle says, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so I hope we know this verse not just for its polemical value, not just for using it to, to fight against those who say, Oh, you don't need to be baptized or you don't baptism is nothing or uh baptism is some other uh thing that's said falsely about it. I hope we know this passage, not just for the polemical value against them that baptism saves you, but that we understand what the text says about how and why baptism saves us, not the removal of dirt from the flesh. So not that it's a ceremonial washing or Not that it's a physical washing. That's not the part of it. Uh, Like so many washings of the Old Testament, of which there were many for purification. But it is with an appeal to God for a good conscience. And so we need the good heart. We need the good conscience so we can pursue the things that are good. Then, as Jesus said, from the, the good man, from the good treasure of his heart will produce good things. So then we produce good words. Uh, Ephesians 4, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only a word such as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. So a timely word, a right and a good word. Proverb 25, we talked about this in Bible class just last night. Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word fitly spoken in the right circumstance well we talked about how apples of gold and a setting of silver basically was jewish jewelry cuz they didn't have images of of man or beast or other things this would have been a piece of fine art or a piece of jewelry and when fine art and jewelry is made it's lovely it's well proportioned it's uh you know it's, it's it's a sight to behold well that's what a right word is be be be, be like a master uh uh a jeweler uh be like a an accomplished artist with the words that you use, right words, good words, fitly spoken. Because another proverb, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And so in this are the issues of life and death. So we've had a good heart. We've had a good conscience, good words. Lastly, good works. Do good works. Paul told the Thessalonians, Fulfill every desire for goodness. So if you've got, you got a good thing you want to do, do it, Paul says. And we think about what did Jesus do? The summary again to Cornelius, Acts ten thirty eight. He went about doing good, is what Peter said about the life of Christ. And what are we supposed to do? Well, go about doing good. Galatians 6, verse 9. Let us not lose heart or grow weary in doing good. For in due time we'll reap if we do not grow weary. So then while we have opportunity, let us do good to all men and especially those who are the household of faith. So do that goodness for everybody. Who does God do good to? Who is he kind to? Evil and ungrateful men. Who should you be good and kind to? Evil and ungrateful. And then especially the brethren. Help them especially. But that doesn't mean you can't help anybody else. No, your obligation is to them first and to God. All, as it says, last verse tonight, Ephesians 2.10. For we're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So goodness is a vital part of our Christian faith. In the world, there's few who do good. Only one was ever really good perfectly. uh, But we uh, must strive to be good, do it in a good conscience using good words, and doing good works. So let's see these things on display, Paul says, as those who are full of the Spirit of God, kindness, and goodness. With that then, our lesson is done. We've gone through the things of the outward display. There's not much left in the fruit of the Spirit. There's some other goods, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of which we'll take up next time. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Malvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at malvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.